Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. Hypebot. Thank you. Lots of love for HypeBot. Absolutely. We are, we are back. I think we've been off for, it's only we, been a week. It seems like it's been hit or miss. a week off. I was at Comic-Con. You were I was on something. vacation. And That's right. Actually, no, last week when we should have been recording, I was strolling through Paisley Park Studio. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Thumbs up. Anybody who ever has the chance to go take a tour of Paisley Park, do it. Well, I'll be there in September. Well, well worth I, it. I can't wait. Get, get, the, v, get really the VIP tour. It's a little little more, but uh, pretty amazing tour. Um, so this week we have a special guest joining us. We are going to be digging into VIP packages and how to do them, what not to do, why you should do them, why you shouldn't do them. Um, <laughs> Who's doing them right? Who yeah, may well, not we be don't doing name so names, well. but I think I not think so much. I think you can figure out if you're if you're online and you watch fan bands, you can see which ones do them right and which ones do them wrong. Um, yeah. We're joined by Ron Young, uh, lead singer of the band Little Caesar. He's been on the show before. He's been a co-host uh, podcast before. But Ron has some really great insight and opinions on on VIP programs, and and not just the Kiss level VIP programs, but the reality working of band. the working band. You know, a lot of what our our listeners and viewers are working bands. That's right. You know, if you think you're going to do a VIP program for fifty bucks, you know, watch the show first. See what see what is discussed here, and then you know rethink it. Make sure that it's not for that everyone. It, it it is right for you. So yeah, keep it rolling, Ron Young. We talk about VIP programs. Hey everybody! I want to welcome our special guest, returning past co-host. He's he's a he's a regular. Let's just basically put it that way. Ron Ron Young from uh, Little Caesar, not the pizza, the band. No, exactly. <laughs> Although you are okay. having an arena named, is it an arena's being named after it, it you? Looks, it looks that way, yeah. yeah. Wow, we, we, what, what kind of money are you making off the naming rights? Yeah, you know, that's a whole other topic of the years of, uh, you know, releasing commercial material and not finding out from your record label till after you release it that there's a national company with the same name there's a pizza and name for the rest of my career i should have known that i'm the rodney dangerfield of branding, you know? <laughs> you're you're the butt of pizza jokes forever right exactly. yeah. so and anyway um ron is back because a few weeks ago and and listen if you don't follow ron on facebook you should because ron is Ron is Ron. He's you're very opinionated. Oh yeah. And and especially when it comes to the music industry, he says a lot of stuff that is just spot on. Nails it. When you don't have a career to crash and burn, it's really easy to be honest. <laughs> when when you don't have to worry about pissing people off and getting no. blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. Say what you feel. Exactly. I mean, I shoot from the hip, but I'm also open-minded. I admit when I'm wrong or somebody points out something, I'm not, you know, that's the worst part of social media. Everybody's looking for validation, not really discussion. Yeah. You know, they're looking for the echo chamber. And I try not to do that. But I certainly, why just post pictures of your cat or your food, you know? Let's talk sure. about some things to maybe get together and, and bring up some things and maybe stop some trends or 
magnify certain things. That, that should be the point of, of a social it, it, Exactly. <laughs> so, so a few weeks ago, you made a post about uh, VIP packages. We all know that that's commonplace. All bands, basically, from the biggest band in the world to the smallest bands in the world, are selling VIP packages of various quality, price, value, sure. you, na you name it. It's, it's a given part of the industry. Um, and pretty They're much... They're Pledge Music. Kiss, They're Kiss, doing was the, it. Kiss was the first one to do it back in around 2003. And Kiss is always the first one to do anything when it comes to expansion of marketing. They're, they're, no, they're, they're just, let's talk about that for a second, Michael, because weren't you involved pretty early on with those... Oh, hang on. Alexa's like yelling at me. Um, weren't you involved pretty early on with that? And weren't people kind of surprised that people actually came back time and time and time well, again? Yeah. You know, the, 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 the quick two-minute story was 2003, um, which it's not that long ago. It's only 14 years ago. But that was in, in music industry. That was a whole different time. Um, bands were really starting to realize, oh my God, record sales are are over. You know, I'm I, I have no, I'm not making money selling music. So, I was working for a company that did the the merchandising for Kiss, and we were looking at other revenue streams that we could create for artists. Um, Kiss's management said, we got a tour coming up. Do you want us to hold tickets for the website, the fan club? We'd never. Online fan clubs, online ticket sales, pretty much prior to 2003 were not didn't exist. There might have been pretty a few minimal. of them here or there, minimal. But I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with these tickets, but hold them. And they were holding good tickets. First um, few rows. First few rows. I mean, we had we you know we had a couple hundred tickets every show, major arena tour, shed tour, held for us. So I quickly sat down and and. As a KISS fan, I put together, man, what would I pay? What would I, What do I want? What is the value that I, as a fan, want? First thing was, listen, KISS has never done meet and greets prior to that. Unless you are VIP, Radio, VIP, retail, close tour friend, promoter, yeah. They never, well, they well, never met people. They never I can took say, photos. I can say firsthand touring with them. Gene had it all mapped out with his tour manager that he would do his meet and greets before the show and have his tour manager right there. And as soon as he was tired, he had a hand signal that he would give the guy. And then the tour manager would be the bad cop and go, folks, Gene would love to hang out and keep talking to you. He loves you guys, but he's got to get ready for the show. And Gene would be like, really? Do I have to go? Yeah. And they would do this whole little thing, and he'd look like the hero. They still do that to, the, to this day. Yeah, but it's really shrewd, and it's a smart way to not be rude. Yeah. You can't explain to the fans who want to maximize, you know, they want to glom onto you that he's got to get his headspace into a show and you can't do it after the show. He wants to get out of there. He's done. He's sweaty. He's right. You know, yep. it's, it's all really shrewd and really smart taking into the recap, taking into account the realities of the situation. So, so I basically was like, I, as a fan, I would love to pay to get to meet the band, get a photo with the band. Absolutely. Um, ticket in the first couple rows. Listen, coming out of the, off of the reunion tour, you know, fans were paying $500, $700 a ticket to scalpers to get front row, second row tickets to a KISS concert. So I was like, if we bundle all of this together and sell it at a premium, fans would pay for this. 
because they're already wishing they could do it or already buying part of it on their own. Um, and, 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 and my, my feeling at that time was having worked with them and knowing them, I wasn't even asking them to take a photo in makeup because I was like, that's just impossible to get them to take a photo in makeup because it takes so long to get made up and in costume. We'll take a photo with the band out of makeup. Fans still would love that. Well, we quickly pitched the idea to Doc McGee and Doc McGee came back and I think I was pitching it at $500 for all of that. Great seat, photo with the band out of makeup. Doc McGee came back and Doc being the, the guy who's got vision beyond vision um, said it'll have to be We'll, we'll make it in makeup and a thousand dollars. And I said, Shh, if you can get the band to take photos with the fans wearing makeup, thousand dollars, thumbs up. So we quickly put this together. Twenty-five of these packages per show on a sixty-day tour. Um, put them up on sale, and and honestly, all of us within. The merchandising company, management, everybody was like, we don't know if this is going to fly or not. You know, nobody's ever sold a $1,000 ticket from the band to an artist. How are they going to take this? Well, within five minutes, all these shows sold out. Fans were just, you know, buying them left and right. And as to your point, we didn't realize. We thought it would be like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. One and done. Um, no, no, no. Fans were going to multiple ones. They'd go to one of them, get their photo, get that photo blown up to a poster size, and then buy another package and come back and have the band autograph the photo. So people yeah. were buying multiple packages. So we instantly were like, all right, fans don't have – fans for the most part don't have problems. Let's put it that way. The fans who didn't have the money, of course they – had problems with it i mean but isn't that case of anything in this world if you don't have the money to fly first class aren't you pissed that you can't fly first class but you see like when i went off on my little rant I, I, well let's talk I, about that rant so, so yeah so bring bring, bring up your, your story i mean i got out there and i just said please stop doing this but it wasn't directed at the legacy bands the fact of the matter is, is what Kiss or Tom Petty or Metallica or Aerosmith, they're monetizing their legacy. That's what they're doing to offset the loss of revenue. But these guys, they're so established. That's 98% of the music business now is not the legacy bands. They're the ones that are still drawing and still, they're selling $85 hoodies. What I was referring to is all those mid-level bands and smaller bands that have a smaller fan base that's dwindling, that out of sheer panic have decided to copy or try to emulate those other bands without the resources. They're out there hawking their own VIP packages on their own webs, on their own Facebook pages. And it comes across as desperate. And the fans are talking about the experience that they have. And I'm sorry, when, and when you're Kiss or Aerosmith, you've got to, you, you can hire somebody because there's so much revenue coming in to coordinate that, make it a very, um, make it a, a valuable experience with a quality control for the people that monetarily can afford it and have gotten to a place where their resources get them close to something in the same way that 
they're taking a, a cabana on the beach versus the hotel three miles in and you take the cab to the beach. That's all fine. That's just basic. But what I'm talking about was the bigger picture of what this is doing to the music business in the last throes of desperation to try to maximize the, the revenue for these bands who have put out, they, don't, they, they just don't have the excitement level anymore. So what they choose to do is to beat the, the few passionate fans that they have as they go from theaters to then clubs or bigger theaters to smaller theaters to smaller clubs. They're just killing it for the rest of the bands because it winds up being more times than not. And I was pointed out by a few guys. I got into it with um, Jason from Salty Dog. And, and I was wrong, and I had to back up and go, there are certain people that put a tremendous amount of energy and attention into making sure it's a positive experience. But I'm sorry, for the most part, all I see is pissed off fans who go to see one or two original members who there's all these rules and you go to their own Facebook page and I'm not going to say who it is. It's out there. And they're, they're hawking their own VIP packages on their personal Facebook page, answering questions of no, 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 you can only bring one photo to sign. Oh no, no. If you want more, you're going to have to buy an extra package. And it is, right. the, it's so not rock and roll. It is so not, well, you make a you make a really good point there, and and I actually photographed one of these sessions not not that long ago where they had those rules where you got one thing signed, and if you tried to get something else, all hell broke loose, right? I think one of the things that's kind of the great equalizer here is that you know when Michael started doing this maybe in two thousand three, yeah, you could get away with certain things, even though I think Kiss was pretty buttoned up doing that. But these days, to your point, if you're putting on one of these meet and greet paid experience kind of things, whether it's through pledge music or through your socials or whatever. If you go back there and the artist is wasted or in a bad mood or the lighting's crappy and you're only getting a, a crappy photo and you don't get the time that you feel like you get for paying that, there's going to be swift retribution on Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram. It's social media now. The word spreads as to what kind of the experience was. And, and just like the music. I mean, it's just one of the pitfalls of all this. And like I said, I, I went off because of the trend that I see where, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just put it from the artist perspective. I, these guys have cut back. They don't have the crew. They don't have the buses. They don't have the luxuries. They don't have any of these things. So what they've done to try to make up that revenue so that they can have a better lifestyle when they're out there. And it's hard work. I mean, I, I don't, I don't begrudge these guys anything as to how difficult it is these days to go out there and give them a great experience and especially as they age in harder and harder conditions to keep delivering a great musical experience, which should be the primary objective, night after night. So you roll into these places with the least amount of crew and the least amount of control over your circumstances because bands used to be able to want this on their rider and have to have this in their dressing room. The venues are falling apart. They're understaffed. All of these things wind up adding up to the fact that you don't have the control, but you still need the money. So you can't still keep hawking these things. So you roll into the venue and there's some fans that they took time out of their day to try to catch you backstage. They're at every single show. They're the Uber fans. And they're hoping to just even just see you get out of the vehicle and to roll in and hopefully catch your attention. They're kind of, they're usually very cool about it and they're hoping that you'll engage them and you go over and engage them. But if you know that there's another guy waiting to come in on a VIP package, 
that puts you in this awkward position. Do I give this guy this thing for free that I'm now going to charge for? And it just, it breeds nothing, but there hasn't, there isn't enough control or enough energy or enough manpower to put in there to regulate this experience, to make it so that it doesn't come back and bite you in the ass in the long run, which ruins it for the guys that do actually put the attention into it. And it pulls the covers on these bands that are just, Man, we're not pulling what we used to in guarantees. How do we make this up? Well, let's beat the 10 Uber fans to death and get 200 bucks a piece out of them. That's another two grand. That's like what we're, you know, that's half of what we're getting paid for the show. And it's a really bad trend in an industry that we're all trying to figure out. How do we keep the excitement level up? How do we keep these experiences for the fans so that they don't become apathetic and they don't stop showing up? feeling that the bands just don't give a shit about them anymore. And I'll tell you from my own experience, and true, I'm in a sort of a blue-collar, down-to-earth band. It's always been the aura around the band. It's hard enough for these bands that are trying to create this, we're larger than life, this is a glamorous production. Meanwhile, they don't have the lights they used to have, they don't have any of the stage props they used to have, so it's harder and harder for them, especially from the 80s bands that were trying to always come across like rock stars. They can't really come across like rock stars when they're in that venue, small venue anymore. It's sure. lost that you get to see behind the curtain. Yeah. And so to try to keep that element and aesthetic going or that brand going and still keep people coming out and not making them feel like oh man this is really starting to become really pathetic and they don't appreciate me anymore why should i get the babysitter why should i make the drive why should i pay for the parking why should i deal with all the hip-hop clubs that are in the same neighborhood and they're all drunk and crazy and all i'm trying to do why should i get home at two in the morning and deal with this crap and it's not helping our cause in the long run just because these guys see that KISS can make an extra 150000 bucks a night when they add it up. You're not KISS. What would you're you recommend? Not, you know, uh, what would you recommend for, for a, you know, when you're out on the road? What are some things that are maybe more genuine that have integrity where you can still connect well, with the fans? What I find to increase the revenue is you got to go out there and you got to – I say this every night from the stage. I take a moment that's in a breakdown interlude musically, and I say this little mantra. I thank the fans for showing up because without them, we don't exist. We're a bunch of guys masturbating in a room in Los Angeles saying, isn't this new song great? No one's ever going to hear it or come out and see us play it. So music to me is an interactive experience. You can listen to a CD. But music is an interaction. It's a moment in time when you see a live show that will never happen again. And if you make the fan forget that, then you're in trouble. You got to make them think that they're going to be there. They're going to show up and they're going to see something and be part of something that's a magic. And they to, to spend the time and the energy and the money to do it is money well spent and time well spent. And if the band comes across making people feel like they're grateful for that, and that they appreciate that the the fan feels an affinity to the band that wow we are in this together and there is something and then if you go out afterwards and i know this sucks because when you get off the stage you're sweaty you're hot you're tired you got to go out there and sell it door to door now i know that in a theater or something like that if you're playing to five six hundred people But, you know, I used to watch the Misfits go out and do this, and Jerry only would sit there. And with 10-year-olds, 15-year-old kids sign their lunchboxes, and he would do this thing where if you show me you got an A on your report card, I'd give you a T-shirt. 
And they kept 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds singing his songs because he realized that you, you got to sell it door to door, even if you're in five or 600 seats. And you have to make them feel appreciated, not for their wallet, but for their patronage and for the connection that you have that they still keep coming out to a smaller and smaller and dwindling situation. And that means when you get out of the van, you thank people for being there and you sign whatever they want to sign. Because you know what? These are the people that are going to keep you on the road. And these are the people that are going to tell their friends that are apathetic. You missed it, man. I hung out with the singer. I hung out with the guitar player. I saw them in the pizza joint up the street when they were getting their dinner. And they were so cool. And there was, and the fan feels like they're still really appreciated. And that all of that energy is worth expelling and they'll buy more shirts because when you're there signing shirts, they're going to buy the shirt because they want to get that picture of you signing it and holding it up. And it, it makes it a personal experience. And that's what's going away. If it's going to dwindle, take the dwindling and you've got to maximize the small number of people and get them to genuinely happy, happily walk away, spending more money, spending more time and spreading the word that you're still honest and seer and you're not bitter, cynical and just raping this and beating it to death in the last throes of a, a gasp of breath in a music business. So, I, you know, there's there's a few points I want to bring up here, and I think the first one that's really important that that bands need to ex they need to accept their own reality. So, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, those bands from the '80s that used to tour arenas and have tour buses and backstage. The reality is you don't have that anymore. Oh, it's gone. You, you may wish you had it, but you don't. KISS has it. ACDC has it. Aerosmith has it. You know, I, I don't want to name names of 80s bands to imply that they're doing it wrong, but there's a plethora of 80s bands that are still out there. You're playing clubs. You're not playing arenas no, anymore. Those, those so you've got over. to accept that reality first and foremost. And you have to be comfortable with that. Well, you have exactly body that you still. The fans know they're not in the arena; they're in the stinky club. Well, that, that that's exactly part of what works for like a kiss meet and greet is you actually are paying for the access. Yes, you yeah. can't get back to the kiss dressing room at an arena or a shed. But when when that '80s band is playing your local bar, um, you know the dressing room might be the restroom that you're taking a piss no. in or the kitchen like or the kitchen or there is no dressing room they're they change in the van so you have to understand that part of a vip program is paying for access if the access is already there because you're in a venue which doesn't restrict access you can't sell access keep that in mind you are also always selling these to your best biggest most diehard fans those yeah. are the only ones who want to pay for this right so and they are all and the ones you don't want to piss off that's, that's exactly right. it those are the ones that if they love you they're going to tell everybody how great you were if they hate it because you screwed it up they're going to tell everybody that and you're going to piss them off and they may not ever do this again so be very careful these are not casual fans yeah. these are your fans that have been with you for life the 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 Another real important point through all of this, and I've always felt this, every artist has the right to do whatever they can to generate more revenue. But, and this is big, 
there's got to be real value to that. Absolutely. So, so the big programs, again, going to KISS, there is value. You've Nobody got the felt access. disappointed You're when they walked away. You're getting a private acoustic show. You're getting great yeah. seats. Most of these VIP packages that Ron's talking about that we've all seen literally are just selling a photo. That's it. Yeah, or a drumstick. The guy gets a whole lot of drumsticks. And, but it, again, Pretty just minimal. the fact that if VIP, if you're important to the band only because of your money, you, you're, you're in trouble. That's not what the fan wants to feel. These Uber fans, you've, be, you've been woven into the fabric of their life. Your music means something to them. It, it, it's, it, it harkens back to a period where this piece of music that was created by you is so powerful and important to move somebody to come to you. They relate to it so much. And if you bring them into the fold and all you want to do is take their money so that they can give five minutes to tell you what your music means to you, that's really, really a bad message. That, that's to- not what selling VIP is about. It's about an experience. VIP Absolutely. experiences. Exactly. And, if, if you and, and you have you have to craft that as much as you do your set or your stage show or exactly. anything. Exactly. If you it's cannot, if you cannot create a really memorable experience, and a photo is not an experience, if you can create an experience, you can sell it. But most of these bands are at a level now, playing venues now, where there is no experience. You can be sitting in the bar and you get to watch the band sound check because the bar is open all day and the band's got a sound check while the bar is open. So you can't sell sound check access. So what it comes down to is if you can't do that, I am more in favor of a band sitting there saying, you know what, we're going to all be out at the merch stand after the show. You buy anything, free photos. That's all you got to do. Buy We'll autograph anything you buy. We'll autograph anything you buy. At least there you're getting them to buy something. They're getting the photo for free. And, you know, they they're probably would have wanted to buy something to support you anyway. That works out great. A lot of goodwill that, there too, that, right? That, that, you know, I have seen so many fans at these experiences that I didn't take part in, but I was at the venue where, you know, after it's done, the fans are kind of got a little like dazed look on their face of like, what did I just pay for? Was that really, did yeah. he really? But on, the, but on the other side, Michael, there are also a handful of people I think we should call out that really do it right, whether it's Cheap Trick, Rick Springfield, Kiss, Sammy Hagar. Some of these people, when you meet them, you feel, and I've watched this kind of from the sideline, watching them do their meet and greets, you feel like you're the only person in the room and it is an experience and they are dressed up. They're right about to go on stage. So they're all in their, you know, their uniforms and ready to rock and roll. And it's more than just a picture. They, they talk to you for a moment and they, they want to hear your story. And it's really more of that experience. And I think the part that we have to touch on is that the people who are professional and do it right, there's a nice little tent or room or space always set aside. There's a banner, there's a backdrop, there's a photographer, whatever it is. It's not the kitchen. It's not the hallway before but, but, you go. But, but to, Ron, to Ron's earlier point, a lot of these bands don't have crews. 
They don't yeah. have they don't have people then, that then can they go I, back I, to I your point, Michael, of let's go to the merch then, booth then, and, well, then, and then, have then, that then, experience. Then don't sell that if you don't have somebody who can make sure it's a good location, good lighting, advance you know, listen, your tour manager advances the gig. Somebody needs to advance your VIP program. Where is it going to be held in this venue? Where is the outlets? All this other if you can't do that, don't sell it. That's just what it comes down to. Don't be delusional to think you're still that 80s band playing an arena to 20,000 people. The reality is you're that 80s band playing a bar to 250 people. That's it. Yeah, no. And that's, and, and that's the thing because people, a lot of these bands are not adding into the equation that these bars and clubs and, and even the larger clubs slash theaters – they're all struggling. They're understaffed. Their dressing rooms haven't been painted or cleaned. A lot of these, and you can on a night to night basis, you could yeah. go into one place and it's just fantastic. The owner is still committed to making it a great experience. He's got a positive staff. They're not bitter and jaded because the last three shows of the band that was beating it to death only brought in 30 people. They didn't get tipped. And there's a real cancer out there and these bands should be working more with the venues and with the fans to make this a more selective experience. And I don't mean that in the VIP way. I mean in that let's take the realities into account here and rather than beat that to death, let's make this an experience that winds up getting, kicking people out of the apathy of this. You know, these fans now, and I see it all the time. I have these arguments when I advance these shows going, I'm not going on at 1130 on a Thursday. My fans are older. My fans have got to work in the morning. I, that's right. And even if they're going to carve out whether they're going to call in sick or call in late, their body clocks just can't handle it. And they look at it and it comes to be eight o'clock at night. And they're like, yeah. I, first of all, nobody in clubs or theaters except for the Uber fans buys advance tickets. They know they're going to walk in and they're going to get the ticket. It isn't going to be sold out. If it is, nobody needs the VIP packages. Everybody's doing great. But that's not the case anymore. And they wind up just going, you know what? I get all these emails from people, friends and fans. Hey, dude, sorry I didn't come out last night, but it got to be late and I wasn't, you know. And you argue with these owners because they think keeping the fans around longer means better business at the bar. But this is just the backstage business stuff. But you got to take this stuff into account when you're looking at doing these VIP packages. Every yeah. venue is going to be different. If you're not going to be able to control these situations, uh, then then you're better off not even trying to do it and having it blow up in your face. That's 100%. That, that's exactly what it comes down to. Bite the bullet. Don't do it. Save yourself that embarrassment. You know? It's better to spend money getting more merch items, cheaper merch items, uh, all of these things so that, you know, and, and bring a card reader. I, I see these bands and you can get a square reader that, that you can swipe or you can, you can insert it now. Sure, it, sure. Don't just, these bands are like, well, we just do cash. It's just a... Uh, it, it they, goes right to the iPad. You get email addresses. You get you get child, you, you know you know it 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 comes it comes back to so many of these bands again during the eighties. They never had to do it. They had a merch company. They had somebody selling. They had managers. They had everything. You know the venue I work at. 
vast majority of these 80s bands come in um, might have one T-shirt they're selling. Many of them have no merchandise they're selling. And I, I just roll my eyes going, are you, why are you, how, how is that even possible that you're coming in here and have zero merch to sell? Zero. That just makes no sense. And you want to know why that is? Because, and I know this from my own tours, bands have no money. And the money that if you've got to fly out somewhere to start a tour and you've got to get all that startup money, that merch can be put you out of pocket six, $8,000. If you're going to print up a whole bunch of stuff with CDs and everything else, if you're, if you're selling your own you know, stuff, and they, they don't want to put that money up where they can't because who in the band is going to put that kind of money into this thing? They're going to wait four or five, six shows. I, I've done t- shows with other people where it's like, hey, listen, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put the deposit on the van and then when we're three or four days in, you can, you know, because I've got a good credit card, you know. <laughs> a lot of these bands don't. And then they sit there and they go, well, who's going to sell it? We can't trust the venue. They barely have enough staff to run the night. But if you get yourself a, someone that's going to drive the vehicle who also sells merch, you're going to pay for that. But they don't either have the startup funds or they can barely just get the band, you know, with the two or three 23-year-olds and the other two original members and getting the hotels booked and everything else. No, I get it. it By the time they advance the shows, by the time they book the hotels, by the time they do all the logistics, they never even get around to these details. Well, you make a really good point. And and look, my, my brother owned this bar in Seattle for seven years, and the merch was really popular and he told me exactly what you just said that in the beginning they would sell out of the merch and then they it's like well who's going to pay that money to have that merch made and put back in the bar so finally they made the decision like look we're going to have this outside investor who's going to put a little bit of money down and kind of make as ready and there are some ways around that right where you make a certain amount so you have some of the most popular sizes but I think to Michael's point, I've gone to so many of these shows where I had my money. I was ready to go. Like, do you guys have any vinyl? Do you have a T-shirt or something? Because it's really more of a souvenir, right, of the show yeah. to say, yeah, I was there. And it frustrates me sometimes when I see missed opportunities. And there are some ways around that. You know, I, I, I think one of the things, getting back to the VIP program, that's really important beyond all the other things like value and and being realistic is you got to answer the question do you really want to meet your fans yeah do you have the energy for that and the commitment to that because yeah. I've, 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 I've i've done it I've is done, a lot of work I've put, it's a lot of work and, and it's you know and there's you risk if you don't do it right well it's, it's it's not so much you know do you want to do it? it it's it's more of and you know and maybe ron you can talk to this through your history and people that you know, but surprisingly, there's a lot of musicians who actually don't want to meet their fans. They want to play, get done, and go off and do their own thing. And I've actually encountered some big bands where we put these programs together where, like, the lead guitarist says, I don't want to take a photo. I don't want photos with these fans. And, And there's nothing wrong with that, but the point is don't sell VIP experiences when somebody doesn't want to be there because your fans will know 
they're getting a quick brush off because this guy just doesn't want to be there. He's watching the clock. He's eyeballing the door. You know, he's trying to sneak out. If you don't want to meet fans for whatever your reasons are, then don't sell a great experience to meet fans. I mean, if you step back and look at it, guys who get into bands are generally antisocial. They're not comfortable with the general public. That's why they grabbed the guitar and within the garage and met four other guys who were just as antisocial. And then to go out there, and if you're in a band that's downsized and these guys want to go, well, what happened to the original drummer? And the guitar player thinks, well, I don't want to tell him that he, you know, he was screwing my girlfriend. And, well, how come you're not playing arenas? Well, don't hold up a mirror to me to point out the fact that my career isn't where it is. All of this stuff makes him uncomfortable. I've heard stories of guys going, well, I, they didn't get to the hotel, so they didn't get to do their hair and get their, their clothes on. And so they don't want that captured and shared on social media because they can't control the narrative. So they just want to shut it down. And I'm sorry, man, but this is it. I mean, you roll out of that, that tour van and you've been on the road for six hours and you ate at some crappy greasy spoon and you were woken up early and got a shitty free cup of coffee at the, at the mid-level motel hotel that you stayed at. And you jump out of this van and you got, oh, my God, we're going to have to set up half our gear with one guy, which means they got to tend to their own stuff. Nobody's got the guitar tuners anymore, any of that stuff. And so they know they got to get to work. And there's these people that want to know, oh, my God. And, and I went through this as a separate thing. All these people that think that like Chester and Chris who killed themselves – what pussies. They've got this amazingly great life. How dare they check out? It's like, really? You think that this life is so amazing that if you suffer from depression, you should just stand back? It's, it isn't an easy life. It isn't what's glamorous. You're now 40-something years old or 50-something, even if you're 30-something years old. Oh, what? Some drunk groupie wants to do some drugs with you in this shithole dressing room and that sounds good to you as an entertainment thing, but it, as a lifestyle, that shit gets old. Not to mention the fact that, you know, as the singer, for me to go out there and shake a hundred people's hands every night, all I think is, oh my God, where's the hand sanitizer? If I get a cold, <laughs> I'm down and I can't do the next four shows. These are the realities. It's not, oh, look at that hot one over there and this guy over here wants to take me back and... It's none of that stuff. It's how do I get through this and not come across like a cynical, bitter, tired bastard? How do I actually thank people and come across as sincere when I'm really diminished? I've had a crappy day. I've had to be stuck with the same six guys in a van. I'm in another venue and my back is killing me from setting up gear with the rest of the guys. They promised us the dinner and it was another damn pizza. And then somebody wants to tell me what this song means to them. And if that doesn't strike me as being, holy shit, something I wrote means so much to them. They have a story that they were willing to come down three hours to try to catch me on the side and tell that to me. And if I don't listen with true sincerity and true attention and thank them for letting my music come into their life and be part of that and keep that going for 25 years, then you might as well go home and stop doing this because that's what it takes now. 
I'm sorry, but that's what it takes. And you just trying to figure out a way to monetize that a little bit more is not going to do us or anybody else any good anymore. It's going to bring this thing down like a plane on fire. And that's just why I said what I said. You know, you know I, uh, I, I think I think you just wrapped it up right there. I mean, it's this is not something that it's just a quick let's do this. We're going to make some extra money. VIP experiences take work to do them properly. If you do them properly, you can be very successful with them. But and you know it's what? Work. Like I said, there are some smaller bands who I got called out for. People that I respect who, who, who do that. They really do. And they're the smart ones. They see that if they allocate the staff and they allocate the merch and they allocate the packages and they present them and they market them and somebody handles them, coordinates them and gives it to the fan in that shitty window that they have in those limited circumstances, then it winds up being a benefit to the band and the fan. But that's so much more the exception than the rule. Oh, you're, you're and, and I hate right. the blanket statement, like when you shoot your mouth off on social media, you get a lot of people that come back and go, fuck you. You know, <laughs> how dare you say that I'm just some cheap whore? And they're right. But for the most part, it seems like a desperate, the plane's going down. Let's jump into the bathroom and screw one last time. And that's not really a quality experience. Right. Well, well, Ron, you know, we, we, we got to wrap up here, but I want to give you um, your Gene Simmons moment to, to shill and plug. What's, what's Little Caesar up to? Well, we're getting ready to go in and start another record because we're masochists. <laughs> and <clears throat> we're setting up our windows to go out on, on tour next year. So we're trying to get this done before the first of the year. You know, for us, we're just trying to, we're trying to bring it up one more notch. You know, when you're a band at our level, there's still a whole bunch of people that go, I thought they were a pizza chain. I'm like, well, they just heard a song and we have a new fan and they never heard of us. There's about hundreds and thousands of them out there. If I can reach a few of them through social media and through other people having great experiences, either listening to our current music or past music and get into a little bit bigger venue or get people to make a little bit better offers, then we're moving forward. That's always been our plan. And we're going to get out and do a couple of runs over in Europe. We started coming back into the States now. We're trying to align our forces with bands like Junkyard and other similar bands that have a similar work ethic and a similar style um, and maximize, minimize our expenses and maximize our efforts. Just like I said, selling it door to door, but keeping a positive attitude and, and, and just pushing forward and doing it with, with grace and, and a smile. And that's all we try to do. Awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that 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 that's that's how you got to approach it. I mean, you've got you understand the reality of where you are now, and 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 yeah, and, I, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing I see is is some of these bands where you just go, you you guys, you realize there's you didn't drive up in a tour bus with a semi for all your gear, and you don't have six road crew guys, and uh, there's not ten thousand people here waiting at the door to get in. It's well, 150. You know, and another thing I noticed on social media is the really diehard fans now probably play an instrument. At one point, they, they were so enamored and music was so powerful that they became, they're not just, you know, they're, they're not a disposable fan. And I know thousands of guys and, and women that are great 
they are songwriters. They play acoustic guitars. This is still a passion for them in their own way. And for bands to sit there and whine about how we can't go and play, these people tried to do what we still get to do. That's right. There's always somebody that looks at us going, wow, dude, I would kill to go out there for three weeks and not sleep and shit, sleep in shitty hotels. And, and so stop whining, you ungrateful son of a bitch. Yeah. And you got to keep that perspective. You know, if not, you're going to, you're going to really turn people sour on you. So, somebody eventually is going to slap that perspective out of you on social media, and it's going to, to do that. It's going to be messy. They don't stop anymore. Exactly. And these fans wind up just trying to find some unsuspecting club or promoter that, that'll give them that guarantee one more time as they go out there and beat it to death because they have no other marketable skills. They've been trying to be a rock star since they're 23, and they had just enough success for them to never learn how to swim in the rest of society. And now they're at that stage in their life where they're freaking out of what they're going to do when they die and, or retire if they can ever retire. That's not the reason to keep doing these VIP packages and finding guys who will go out and play in your backup band for free with one other original guy. You're, you're not, you're not showing the reverence to what this is whatsoever. Yep. Ron, always great. Always great chat with you. Thanks Thank for you. joining us, man. That was awesome. <laughs> nice to chat with you. We'll we'll, right. we'll, be, we'll be in touch. Thanks, man. Okay. I love uh, chatting with Ron. You know, he's, he's he's a fun chat. He's he's he doesn't hold back. No, he's got and great he's, opinions, and they're opinions and he, that are that are um, real. They're based on experience. Exactly, him. and that's he's what I was going to point done out. Done that and seen it. He's doing it. I mean, he's not talking theoretically. He walks the walk and so his experience he's doing this all the time he's touring he's playing shows he's meeting people i respect his opinion because he's actually in the trenches he's in the trenches he knows a lot of the musicians who we were talking about their bands he knows sure. these musicians he's he you know came up with them through the scene back in the 80s um so it, it it's great honest insight. You know, don't let the don't don't write it off. Oh, it's just a guy from some eighties band. Nah, you know, Ron has got tremendous experience of being up, being down, uh, being a working band now, having yeah. big management, being self managed. There's a lot of lessons that you can absolutely. Take away. Ron. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he made some very, very good points. You know, these things aren't for everyone. This is a business and you need to do it right or you risk alienating the most important people, the, your best fans. Yep. Yep. That, that, that's the key thing. Remember, these are your most diehard fans that are going to spend this yeah. money. So make sure they, they leave very happy. Exactly. Um, that's it. Another episode All of right. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here until next week.